Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. Before we get started today, just a quick reminder that our next Sandbox live event will be on October 30th with Regina Mustafa, founder of Community Interfaith Dialogue on Islam here in Rochester, Minnesota. We don't want you to miss it. This conversation is so important, so save the date. You know, in part, uh, Regina will help us ask a very important question together. Why is interfaith dialogue so important? And maybe even more at the heart of it, why is it important for us to be in relationship with those who aren't like us? If you're interested in hearing more, we'll have details at the end of this episode, or you can find what you need on our website. But for now, here is episode 29. Mapping the Genome of the Human Spirit. Welcome to the Sandbox. Today we're excited to share our conversation with Sam Romeo and Chris Holly from CD Health in Turlock, California. CD is a health organization focused on considering the whole person. That means looking at an integrated picture of each of us, one that includes our unique core values the way we live those values out in the world, and how we care for our mind, body, and spirit. When we spoke with Chris and Sam, we were struck by the way this element of spirit is so interconnected to the other elements of our health, but is often neglected. When we get an accurate picture of our whole self, we can begin to see our life in a new way and begin to actually live in a new way. As we each begin to learn a bit more about what drives us to live well, we also begin to come together as healthier communities, shifting our overall culture toward health. We hope that this interview might be just the spark you need to make that true for you too. Uh, Welcome. I'd love to hear about your practice and uh, in your philosophy. Yeah, thanks so much for having us and doing this get together and driving, I don't know how many thousands of miles to be with us, but we're we're super excited to to hang out and and, uh, see what we can talk about together. Uh, For our practice, what really brought us together as a practice, and that practice continues to grow, uh, is really our interest in the whole person. So we all went to medical school uh, in the United States, all great medical schools, and got top-notch training on how to take care of the human body. But so much of what we were finding in medicine is to actually get real solutions for people involves so much more than the body. We have a mind uh, that also needs care, and the surprising thing that we found is that we also have a spirit that needs care. So putting all of those things together and developing a practice both uh, that does that as well as products uh, that do that allow us to expand our outreach has been a real fun part of our journey. Seity mm. is really an, an offshoot. Uh, that came from our our medical practice by necessity. We just weren't coming out of coming out of med school. We weren't equipped with the tools necessary to actually make as profound of an impact in people's lives as we were looking to do from a primary care vantage point, uh, which is what we are. We're primary care physicians, and. When we first came out and we put our group together, it was interesting. CD did not exist, and our thinking really came together with another person in in the community who was interested in doing a wellness camp for pediatric girls. Hmm. So here we were in the early 2000s, a new group together, and we were trying to figure out what tools were we going to find or develop to be able to take care of people in more effective ways because everything we learned about the body wasn't enough. We thought we were super progressive talking about mind and body integration, but even that 
wasn't getting us to where we needed to be. But that was a that was that took several years of of learning for us. We created our first venture into the wellness world by creating that a, a camp called Camp California Fitness, and we literally saw the childhood obesity rates uh, growing through the roof. And we didn't have solutions for those. It wasn't, it wasn't adequate to have a quick office visit to make impactful or meaningful or sustainable change in, in people's lives. So we decided to come together with a group and started writing curriculums and developing a, a camp. Uh, we approached our local university, rented dorms, rented space and uh, athletic facilities, and we decided to do girls only. Uh, we the need was growing in both uh, young, you know, boys and girls, mm-hmm. um, but we felt that more people were looking for solutions uh, with the girls, at least during that time. And we didn't want any band camp stories. Mm. So we stepped with one <laughs> s- single gender. Uh, and all of our, camp, our counselors, uh, which, we, which we attracted literally from all over the country, it were fantastic mm. uh, college students with various degrees from, full, from psychology to dietetics to kinesiology, et cetera, et cetera. And we started building this camp. We stayed away from spirituality with intent at that time, and, and it was very interesting, and it was a costly lesson for us. But the reason why we did it is because we felt like if we were going to build a camp where parents were going to entrust their, their children with us, and we started using language of spirituality, you kind of start you can kind of creep people out a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Is that a religious affiliation? Is it a cult? Is it like what? They're not really calling themselves anything. What is that? So we intentionally stayed away from spirituality, and we Mm -hmm. just... We just did things really focusing on mind and body, on empowerment, on self-esteem building, on exposure to, to things of new, ac- new activities from theater to exercise. And we had amazing results. We really had amazing results. Mm-hmm. We had campers that would come, and eight weeks later, when their parents would come to pick them up, their parents literally would walk right by them. They just wow. recognize them. didn't Serious. even wow. recognize their own wow. children that they hadn't seen in two months. And it wasn't because of just profound weight loss. It was because of, of their, their, their spirit activation, the, mm. the electricity in their eyes, their posture, their, their mm. demeanor, their confidence. It was, it was so impactful for all of us that we kept doing this. Yeah, we learned a lot of lessons that, man, if we can get to the spirit of a person, you can actually make a remarkable change uh, for a a young lady. So we were trained, uh, medicine in the last 500 years has really considered the body to be a machine. Now that might sound coarse, but that was actually a move forward in the history of medicine. Before it was balancing four humors and mm-hmm. yellow phlegm and black bile and, and balancing those for the previous 2000. But that, that 500 years of the body as a machine allowed us to develop our knee, tra- our, our, our knee replacements and our insulin mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Very, very helpful. But what it taught us is it, it, through this camp experience is, man, if you can get past the mind and into the spirit of a human being, look out they can 
change their life and change the world. So we would see what would happen after these campers would leave and girls who were just recluses were now, you know, leaders in the play at their school mm. and trying out for sports and things that they never would have done in the past. And we just got to watch the trajectory of those girls and what they did with their lives. Uh, it was it was quite an eye-opening experience for us. Now, how would you track with the girls? I mean, because I would imagine, like any camp experience, you come and you do the thing, mm -hmm. and then you go. Are they local? Or, I mean, how? No, they came from all over the world. Yeah. So we had oh. folks from Australia and England and Mexico and Canada uh, through the power of something back then called the Internet that was still a, still a new thing. <laughs> I'm so uh, glad Al Gore invented it. Yeah, yeah right. it's great. <laughs> Thanks, Al. So what happened is we built relationships yeah. off those. So one, we were tracking data, as good mm. physicians do. So mm. we would find out, oh, over eight weeks, our girls would average a 25-pound weight loss uh, over the eight weeks, which is phenomenal for a kid mm. uh, to do that. But the relationships that they built at camp, both with each other and with us as staff, uh, was ongoing. They just wanted to share their successes. I did this, I did that. And so mm -hmm. they would always want mm -hmm. us to know their stories uh, because mm -hmm. they wouldn't have believed it, that they are doing those kinds of things after camp, that, you know, pre-camp, they, they wouldn't have had the, the uh, confidence, the skills, uh, the spirit lift that we gave them through relationships uh, that they needed. Now you said early on you you avoided the the spirituality piece and you said at great peril or I can't remember the words that you used but you say oh, we needed to go deeper into that. What did that look like? What we started to see is, and it was just observing the impact that we were having. So when you start and ended our camp, the real change wasn't in the weight loss; it was in the activation of their spirit. So we are seeing that, but it, and then we started reflecting on what was it? Was it our mm -hmm. curriculum? Or was it what we were teaching them? Or were we teaching them good things like a good school lesson? Or was it actually the community, the love, the acceptance, the, the, the energy that they were getting with their whole group? And as we reflected on it, what sustained itself was that community, was that love, was that connection to other girls and other campers who had had a, a meaningful impact. As we progressed along, and we did this for five years, we were hit with the same thing that many of us were hit with. 2008 comes along, mm -hmm. the economy crashes, and we're a small business, literally borrowing money every year. And we suddenly couldn't get more small business loans. All that stuff dried up like a, a finger snap in 2008. And we looked back and we realized um, that this passionate thing that we were doing was not financially sustainable. There are too many costs that we couldn't control. The university facilities, the campers costs, etc. So the, the market would only bear a certain tuition and our the costs that were out of our control um, just necessitated that our price was going to be too high mm -hmm. but we had learned five years of amazing amazing uh, information about how to how to get people from point A to point B and the more that we studied and looked at our results and the things that were really effective in our camp the more that we realized we can't we can't avoid spirituality in our primary approach 
um, we, we literally started reorienting our focus to say, what really inspires and motivates people? I think some of the interesting things we learned about that is what was moving people was not, and we've, Sam and I have come from different religious backgrounds, Sam more a Catholic background, mine more an evangelical background. We were, we saw people motivate and change and move and their spirits really come to a different place and we weren't using any of our religious tool sets mm -hmm. uh, that we got growing up in our, in our various religions other than some of the bigger things of, of love. Uh, that was fascinating learning point for us too. So mm -hmm. it wasn't that we were wanted to become a religious camp. It was really, oh, all humans have a spirit that has nothing to do with your belief system. It has to do with what it means to be human. So mm -hmm. who cares what you believe? Mm -hmm. If we start teaching people, oh, you have a human spirit, let me tell you what that is and what it does, uh, then we can we can come from a very, very different, more accessible place and really make an impact. So, so as you started making that move, um, what, what did you learn so that you could tell people what that was? I mean, like, I, I'm just thinking yeah. about how I would begin to explain that to someone. And, I, and I'm sure that there are certain words there, yep. but then you're turning it into drawing that through your medical practice. You've got to have pretty specific ideas about what that might look like. Yeah. So we started learning what the function of the human spirit is in humans. Uh, so if you think about uh, a place of energy and you, you think we've all had days where we're just jumping out of bed and can't wait to do something that day, like do this podcast with you guys, which mm -hmm. got a spring in my step this morning. And then we've all had places where our spirit's been crushed, or maybe you're in a, an environment that's repressing your spirit on a lot of different levels. We started putting some words and some language and some framework to what's universal to all people that's not the mind, so the mind is thoughts and feelings and memories uh, and its ability to analyze. Uh, the spirit is something different that can have great energy or can be crushed or repressed. Mm. And then the other thing we started thinking about is, yeah, but we're all different. Um, maybe what moves your spirit and moves my spirit is the same, or maybe it's different, or maybe it's the same thing, like we all love Star Wars, mm. But why do you love Star Wars and why do I love Star Wars? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's different things that are really making us want to stand out the night before and in our sleeping bags you know, mm -hmm. to get tickets. Uh, so that, that got us thinking that we're, our model of what it means to be human uh, is wrong and we need to, or is incomplete, and we need to build on it and, and, and build a new way to see ourselves as human beings. One of the things that would see as it was developing in our philosophy was evolving just simultaneous to that, our medical practice. We're, st we're still seeing primary care patients. Our laboratory was every single day we would see a whole bunch of individual patients. So when you look at the data on a primary care clinic in the United States, 70% of all visits to a primary care office in the United States are directly attributable to unhealthy lifestyle. 70%, 7-0. Staggering mm -hmm. number. And 75% of all healthcare costs in the United States are directly attributable to lifestyle. So what does that look like on our schedule? It looks like migraine headaches and irritable bowel and insomnia and anxiety and depression. And you look at all the chief concerns and why people come into our door uh, on the primary care clinic and you say, yeah, we're full of people 
who are really wrestling with these same issues. As we, again, analyzed, what are the tools that we have? Because we just still have that Western tradition inside our minds where we look at the body and we say, well, we have all kinds of body tools. We can do glucose screening and cholesterol screening and body mass index or the height and weight. And we can do all these various things to assess bodies objectively. So it gives us a starting point. And then we look at the mind and we say, well, there's a lot of things we can do for mind too. We have all these things for depression screening and PHQ2s and PHQ9s and all these fancy little forms. And we have IQ tests and we have Myers-Briggs personality and, tests. Mm-hmm. And we have all these things that we could objectively assess mind. And as we were just starting to realize we need to objectively assess spirit, we realized that that, that layer had never been developed. So we started developing a tool mm-hmm. to, to objectively assess people at a spirit level so that we could actually have a starting point with our patients and with our people that were doing our wellness program where we could objectively then laser in on the things that inspire and motivate them, which is the, what, we, what we began to call their core values. Yeah, I'm curious. Okay, so what what is that assessment? So the first thing we started doing is just recognizing that there are that spirit is. uh, You can have the discussion about you know what is it about your spirit, and it's so abstract. Mm -hmm. We needed something to be more concrete. We needed a dialogue where we could literally laser in and accelerate this conversation, so we could get to exactly what it was that inspired and motivated you. So we started just looking at different people and, and, and seeing how, what inspired and motivated them. So people like Mother Teresa, who was born into, had money and chose a life of poverty in Calcutta. And clearly one of her core values was service. Uh, and not financial security, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she lived fully activated from one of her core values of service, and she changed the world. Very different than someone like Michael Jordan, who got cut from his high school basketball team, but if, if three years later wins the national championship and the NCAAs and goes on to be the greatest basketball player of all time, arguably, and transcends Mm -hmm. actual basketball. You look at all of his old interviews, and what resonates through everything with Michael Jordan is competition. It's fierce, just unbridled uh, activation towards competition. Mm -hmm. And you look at somebody like Martin Luther King Jr., and you say, okay, there's harmony, there's justice, and you start Steve Jobs and innovation, and you start looking at all these people that move the needle that made an incredible impact in the world. And you go, they all had fully activated spirits that are very, very different. So how, do we, how are we gonna help people increase their awareness to theirs? And we needed a practical tool because it's so complex. You can't just take people through a, a weekend retreat and come up with your mission statement and pop out your core values and say, that was easy. Uh, <laughs> it's just super hard to do. Right. So we needed to take this really complex thing and make it and make it really simple for people. So we started building a process, and that process started with building neighborhoods, uh, aligning core values, and then inside those neighborhoods, we started building individual 
core values that represented different aspects of that neighborhood. And we start, we built a tool to do that. And then what we kept finding, interestingly, is that uh, just like something like hair, hair color has a bunch of different genes that get expressed and produce the hair color that you have, what we figured out is we need to make what are all the colors of hair? Uh, mm. Well, now we're looking at what are all the colors of spirit, what motivates and moves people. We realized, I think we're coming up with the genome of the human spirit. And mm. when we started putting those together, we realized uh, once we were done with our first version, we realized there's about 80 different genes at play uh, in the human spirit based on our intuition and, and looking at examples throughout culture, uh, everything from ancient cultures to uh, and, and individuals who are very, very advanced. There seems about 80 different things. And those can be very different for different people, but when they're expressed well, a person can do amazing things with it. Or uh, when they're expressed badly, a person can do very destructive things. So mm -hmm. Adolf Hitler may have had a had part of his spiritual genome may have been impact, but it got played out with hurts in his mind, uh, issues with his environment, mm -hmm. and he lived it out, but it obviously wasn't a very good outcome. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we started mapping that. And then what we found is in our first version of CD, we put that out there and had some amazing results where this was really working for people that we could map the genome of a company and say, okay, these are the top five things at play. You know, the police department, and one of the most predominant things is safety and protection. We're like, okay, that's good. That's a really good match for a police department. <laughs> right. uh, excellent. And then we started finding people who are like, would take the assessment and they would say, I'm totally in the wrong job. Like this mm. uses none of what activates my spirit. Or, oh, no wonder I hate the treadmill because my genome is creativity and uh, you know, mm -hmm. put their four, four things together and it's like none of that activates your spirit. I'll move us into the next phase. So as we're, we're, we're trying to scale this thing, we needed really good science behind this. We needed to make this scientifically valid. So we connect with two amazing researchers at our local university and they helped us scour the world's literature on something similar that could validate our 80 core values. And what they found is, oh, okay, there's one person uh, that has done this work in Israel, uh, and he's been doing it for quite a few decades, and he's validated in 66 different countries in all sorts of different cultural types, and yours has that, but it also has some new things that he's never thought of. Uh, before spirituality, mm -hmm. interestingly enough, wasn't a part of his um, even his core value set. Okay. Uh, so we realized, oh, all this intuitive work we've been doing is leading somewhere that could be scientifically validated. Plus, we've got some new things that can contribute uh, to people's lives. Yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of the a lot of the the the, the 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 solutions or the interventions or the um, the resources to help people live a better life are so siloed. Spirituality is one of them, but medicine is another. Mm -hmm. We're so siloed that we're not leveraging um, the whole, all of the resources. I mean, the, 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 the wellness industry is a great example of that. Um, how do you navigate the vitamin shops? 
Hmm. How do you navigate the health food shops? Who's, who's, who's educating you? What is their driver? Are they selling products or they really know a lot about what your needs are? It's a really challenging, it's a challenging thing to navigate. What about the, the exercise places? Uh, what if you're not just weak and uncommitted, but what if your spirit is crushed? because of something really deep at a spirit level. We see that far more often than we see weak, uncommitted people. We see crushed spirits much more, mm-hmm. uh, much more commonly. And, and so whether we see that in people seeking with chronic pain syndromes who are turning to medications as their intervention, um, all, of these, all of these things need to start integrating. So we have to get upstream of all of it so that we can connect people to why they're amazing uh, and what it is that inspires them, motiva- motivates them. And once you are, have a con- concrete awareness of what it is that makes you amazing and those words are staring at you right in the page and reflecting on what it is that makes you amazing, you start to resonate. And you also, it makes it very easy to see the areas in which you're letting atrophy or you're neglecting, the areas that you're not investing your resources into. So if I'm working for a large organization and I punch in at at eight and I leave at five and my core value is adventure versus a core value of security, Mm -hmm. which one do you think is going to be happier in the workplace? So... That adventure person doesn't mean they can't thrive in that environment. It just means, dude, you better do something fun this weekend, right? (laughs) Uh, Because you're not getting it at work. So it doesn't have to be work. And if you don't do something fun, what kind of impact are you going to have when you walk into the workplace on Monday? You're going to suck the life out of us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it happens everywhere. So when when we increase people's conscious awareness of what it is that there's core value, then we suddenly have actionable places in all of their areas, whether it's spirit, their mind, or their body. Now the interventions make sense because they can contextualize with the things that are actually drivers of that individual. Uh, we've had we've we've had recently had discussions with with VPs of very very large organizations in their HR department, and what's interesting when you look at Fortune 200 companies or Fortune 500 companies, most have executive coaching type programs, and they have those programs because they know that if they invest in the lives of their executives, then their executives will live better, and then lead better, and be more likely to be successful and they're more likely to retain them. So a lot of those companies are investing in the lives of their executives. Well, the reality is we're trying to invest in the lives of everyone. Mm -hmm. And so we're bringing that level of, of life optimization across a much broader swath of people. The other surprising thing we've learned about this kind of developing model of, of what it means to be human, let me go full circle a little bit, uh, is in our own spiritual journeys. It's turned out to be a very helpful tool for our own spiritual journeys and maturation. So if you have a spirit uh, and you have spiritual practices and ways you connect with spirit, is there role and room for the divine uh, in this model? And what we were finding is that, yeah, you have a body, and a layer deeper you have a mind, a layer deeper you have a spirit, 
What activates the spirit is your core values or, or the pieces of the spiritual genome that are really in play for you right now. When you activate that spiritual genome really well in whatever practice it is, whether it's a religious practice or an exercise practice, it actually connects you to the divine in some really fascinating ways. So that was a surprise for us is that, oh my gosh, when I'm living out my core values to the max, I have a new way to connect to the divine that I'd never put the pieces together mm -hmm. for. So my favorite movie way back in the 80s, The Chariots of Fire, when he's running around, he says, you know, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Uh, you can construct a life that connects you to the divine if you know the pathways with which most move your spirit and most connect you to something that feels beyond you or transcendent of you. But having that roadmap, oh my gosh, that's mm -hmm. been gold for our own individual lives, as well as for many other people. So you've both felt, felt that impact of being able to connect with, with, the, with the divine. And I'm curious, when you say the divine, what, what does that mean to you? To me, that means God. Mm -hmm. I know people could put a lot of different language to that. Mm -hmm. um, but when I so here's my four core, my spiritual genome. Okay. For me is is impact. So I'm on a podcast. I'm pretty mm -hmm. excited. <laughs> One person may hear this. That makes me excited. <laughs> uh, innovation. Uh, so I think I would share that with Steve Jobs. Though I I'm certainly haven't risen to that level. But that's mm -hmm. the same thing that drives me, drives him. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I love spirituality. So things mm -hmm. that are spiritual. Make, excite my spirit yeah. and then I love wisdom so I can mine wisdom literature from all different walks of life and now it's opened up a whole new world for me because I know yeah even though that's not my traditional religion I can glean some wisdom out of that There's truth there and that lights yeah. lights me up and mm -hmm. so having access to that now the other thing that we like to refer to your core is we don't call it in the workplace we don't call it the divine sure uh, we just call it your core Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a sacred mystery that you could define however you would like, uh, but it's there, and it's up to you to figure that out. We don't mm -hmm. we don't lay that path work out. Sure. But if someone wants to talk to us and they have a religious perspective that they need help reconcile, reconciling, who am I and how do I live in the world? Because a lot of my old models uh, are broken and they're not working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. We have a great pathway to talk about that, yeah. regardless of their their belief system or their religion. One of the things that's really come together for us over the years is learning where our strengths are, learning to recognize strengths in others, and who speaks to what. We are, we are trained as traditional medical providers, and so our strength is in evidence-based medicine, in body work, and in mind. Where we've invested most of our career and passion is to developing tools in the spirit. But we've developed it in a way to make it accessible. What we found to actually connect to spirit, not just raise conscious awareness of how people are unique as individuals, but to really, really speak to spirit. We found that no one speaks to spirit more efficiently than artists. Art speaks directly to spirit. That's why we cry during songs. That's why we're moved uh, by certain paintings or certain words on a page. 
Um, no one does that as well, in our experience, speaks to spirit so directly as artists. And a passion of ours being music, we've collaborated with artists to, to give them an opportunity to, to make meaningful impact in people's lives and contextualize it from their connection to spirit into how people's minds and bodies function. How have we done that? So we've worked with, with artists who, who have provided songs. Those songs immediately connect to spirit. We'll, we, in our health challenges for our corporate wellness clients, we'll contextualize that either through narration or through scrolling words on a screen, and we'll teach some sort of concrete wellness or health message. So while the song is resonating with the spirit, we're raising the conscious awareness to the mind of what's going on in this song. And then the way that it'll end, it will end with a call to action, which is a health challenge, an activation of the body. So even when we're providing interventions to our corporate wellness clients, we start with the access point of spirit, contextualize, educate the mind, and then call to action with the body. Spirit. Your spirit. That thing that makes you, you. That animating energy that makes you unique gives you the spark that is not repeatable. The spark that I personally saw unleashed when my kids were born. The spark that I personally saw fade when my loved one died. How often do I neglect it? How often do you neglect it? The spirit is what makes us uniquely human and who we are. Maybe, sometimes, the sickness we feel, the pain we suffer, is at its core a spiritual sickness. So I heard Sam and Chris say that in order to change lives, they couldn't avoid spirituality in their approach. They said that addressing the spirit changes the world. I mean, think about it. In addressing your spirit, in fanning that spark within you, the world can and will change. Talking with Chris Hawley, he said, and, and I quote, We are already whole people but we struggle to see ourselves as whole. We have a full measure of the divine built inside of us at our core, and this is surrounded by our amazing spirit, mind, and body. If we know who we are and what we are capable of, (laughs) look out. We can live amazing lives. This whole thing called you gets to live and move and breathe in the world and there is so much more we can do when we know how it all fits together thanks for joining us for this episode of the sandbox cooperative podcast sam and chris and all the others at cd health are doing incredible work reminding us of the way that each aspect of our life is connected to the next if you're interested in taking the assessment for yourself send an email to info at cityhealth.com and mention sandbox cooperative you'll get all the info you need to get registered Also, don't forget to join us on October 30th for our next live event with Regina Mustafa, founder of Community Interfaith Dialogue on Islam here in Rochester, Minnesota. In case you haven't joined us for a live event before, here are a few quick details you'll need to know. 
If you're near Rochester, Minnesota, meet us at Studio 324 downtown. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. and the event begins at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. To join us outside the Rochester area, head to sandboxcooperative.com a few minutes before 7 and you'll be able to watch and participate from there. Following Regina's presentation, the audience both in-house and online will have the opportunity for Q&A where we can dig in a little bit deeper. And as we continue growing the Sandbox community, we'd love for our Sandbox listeners to have more opportunities to meet up face-to-face. After the live event, look out for a Sandbox meetup for an opportunity to gather and share in continued conversation after the event. We hope to see you on October 30th. But in the meantime, if you want to stay in touch with us, sign up for our email updates via our website, connect with us through Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. But most importantly, share this podcast with someone who might like it. There's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.